In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a piece from a member of our community who passed away. The piece was about community support, so I'm so glad to be able to continue to embrace that theme as we present the piece in conversation today. In 2018, I published an issue of Wildfire about the caregivers, those often unsung heroes who stand with us in the glare of a breast cancer diagnosis. I've often felt that caregivers have the very difficult task of having a front row seat to our cancer and trying to do whatever they can to lighten the load without getting much support themselves. In 2018, in an issue of Wildfire, I had the privilege of publishing a writer named Danielle Hernandez. Danielle shared the story of how her community rallied around her after her diagnosis. Danielle was diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer in February of 2017. She lived with MBC for five years and then passed away on November 19, 2021. Today on The Burn, I'm joined by Danielle's dear friend Heather and her mom, Violetta. When I started Wildfire, I honestly had no idea all the moms that I would encounter. Some are moms like me, raising humans while fighting cancer. Others are moms welcoming post-cancer miracle babies. Some are mamas loving their fur babies a little tighter because their wombs remain heartbreakingly, frustratingly empty, which I know that ache too. And then there are all the women missing their moms, lost to breast cancer while facing their own diagnosis. But the ones I really didn't expect were the proud, fierce moms, the ones who reach out to me and thank me for publishing their daughter's stories, the moms watching their daughters face breast cancer way too young, and the moms who have lost their daughters to metastatic breast cancer, the moms who want to remember their daughters to just solidify their stories, their legacies in black and white print. So many moms. My mom died five years before my cancer diagnosis, and I often wonder what it would have been like to have her support. But the truth is she wasn't able to mother me the way I needed, and it took me a long time to admit that. Instead, I learned to mother myself, and for that I'm pretty proud. But I'm so incredibly happy that Danielle had the fierce, proud mom who stood by her through metastatic breast cancer. I'm going to introduce you to Danielle first, and then we'll welcome on Violetta and Heather. Danielle Hernandez was diagnosed with hormone-positive stage 4 breast cancer at the age of 32. She also carried the BRCA2 genetic mutation. When Danielle wrote her essay for Wildfire, she was living with her cat Pickle in Los Angeles, California, where she worked full-time as an administrative assistant for a telecommunications company. 
As you'll hear from her story, in addition to this, she was busy co-hosting a weekly podcast with two friends called Well This Sucks. And when she wasn't doing all of that, she told me that she was working away on what she called her old lady crafts, calligraphy, cross-stitching, or really any old DIY project that inspired her. She was also a lover of plants, and she said she crammed as many as she could into her tiny studio apartment that she lovingly called her hobbit hole. In 2018, Danielle submitted a piece to Wildfire that she called, Well, Let's Start a Podcast. As I said, I'm joined today by Danielle's mom and her friend to read her piece and to chat. Welcome to the burn, Violetta and Heather. I'm so honored to have you guys here. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Hi, April. Thank you so much for having us. It is a privilege. It is. Absolutely. Heather, I just saw you already wiping tears. We will oh, get through man. this. <laughs> Big old, I was like, oh, no way. Well, I was just hearing you uh, recall all the wonderful specifics, the Hobbit hole and her mm-hmm. old lady crafts. Those are her her words. <laughs> you yes. Know, yes. Her sense of humor, her way of describing her lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you yeah. know, it just, boy, it just takes one little, little button uh, and you know, we just miss her so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I know we're going to get into all of this, but this is so nice. This is so nice. Yeah. Still. Yeah. I, well, I'm just really honored you guys could be here and I just love that it's so possible to bring someone right back into the room so easily with their words. And, and I know this is something we'll get into also, but Yeah. So, Heather, let me introduce you, and then we'll let you read uh, Danielle's essay. (laughs) (laughs) I'll let you gather yourself while I read to you about you. (laughs) (laughs) Heather and Danielle met at Florida State University in 2005. They became close friends and roommates and eventually moved all the way across the country together to continue their shenanigans and misadventures together in Los Angeles. When Danielle was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, they decided to create a podcast called Well, This Sucks as a coping mechanism, an outlet, and as a way to connect with other people going through similar experiences. The podcast was hosted by Heather, Danielle, and a third best friend, Tana Hamilton. They ran the podcast for a year and are proud to have created something that can now exist in Danielle's memory. And it's still available. You can catch it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I had the privilege of being one of the final guests on the podcast myself. Today, Heather is a production coordinator at Lucasfilm and a comedian. She's produced lots of podcasts for various networks, is part of a sketch comedy duo called John Baxter, and you can catch her every second Thursday of the month performing at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater with her improv team, Menudo. Heather, welcome again to The Burn. <laughs> yeah. So you have the the big job today. You get to read oh, yeah, Danielle's no words. This is an essay she wrote called, Well, Let's Start a Podcast from our 2018 Caregivers Issue. So after you read, the three of us will chat. I'll let you take it away. Okay. I will gather my sniffles. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, let's start a podcast. At the beginning of May 2017, I received a text from one of my nearest and dearest friends, Heather. It went like this. So I've been thinking about this, and the more I think about it, the more I think it would be a cool and beneficial project. 
Might you be interested in having a podcast? It'd be the three of us, gal pals, you, me, Tan, discussing your journey through your treatment and life in general. We can noodle the details later. Growing up the daughter of a breast cancer survivor, I was always taught to touch my boobs. My mother was diagnosed with breast cancer before I even had breasts. She always instilled in me the importance of becoming familiar with my breasts. If anything was amiss, I would be aware and, with a sense of urgency, bring this to my doctor's attention. So, when I found a lump in my left breast toward the end of January 2017, I immediately knew something wasn't right. Fast forward through a visit to my general practitioner who ordered an ultrasound, which was escalated to a mammogram that confirmed I needed a biopsy. Cut to me, about to leave work on a Friday afternoon. My cell phone rings and I answer, standing in a dimly lit break room. On the other end is a sympathetic nurse's voice. I'm sorry, Miss Hernandez. The biopsy of your breast and lymph nodes have both come back positive for cancer. I only vaguely remember hearing much else after that. I managed to jot down my appointment date and time with the surgeon for the following week. After hanging up the phone, I immediately sent a message to the very active group chat of my closest girlfriends, a.k.a. my swell gals. Biopsy results came back positive. I have cancer. That is how, at 30 years old, I found out I had breast cancer. We soon found out it was stage 4 estrogen positive and had metastasized to my liver, parts of my spine, and pelvic bone. I was born in California and moved to New Jersey when I was about 2 years old. When I was 5, my mother and I moved to Miami, Florida, where I spent my formative years. I moved to Tallahassee, Florida for college when I was 18 and lived there up until 3 years ago. During my time in Tallahassee, I made many beautiful friends. Two of those, Heather and Tana, have become my closest friends. Both Heather and Tana happened to move to Los Angeles, California post-graduation and were constantly asking me when I was going to make the move. In the spring of 2015, having grown tired of my life on the East Coast, I made the big cross-country trip from Florida to Los Angeles. Leaving my very small family, mom and stepdad, behind, my close-knit group of college friends were my new support system. Heather and Tana, who my mom now lovingly refers to as my sweet angels, were there for me from the very moment I heard the words, you have cancer. Without being asked, they just acted. They coordinated with one another to make sure I was never alone at any appointment, test, or scan. I could not imagine having better friends. I know how incredibly blessed I am while others aren't as lucky. With everything moving... <clears throat> With everything moving so quickly, we had loads of information being thrown at us on every visit. Heather always came prepared with questions, and Tana always took diligent notes. That's true. <laughs> From the moment of that terrible phone call, everything was becoming more and more serious. It was becoming harder and harder to digest. It was clearly not only an information overload, but also an emotional overload. This cancer thing was very real and very, very hard to process. We all needed an outlet. Shortly after my diagnosis, I began blogging about the experience. Looking back on it now, I took for granted that my two closest friends, who were very much living through this with me, needed a way to cope with it all as well. So when Heather approached me with the idea for a podcast, I could not deny her the outlet she clearly needed. The cancer is not only mine. These girls have voluntarily chosen to take on this cancer as well. This isn't something you ask of someone, it's just something that is done. 
And when someone takes on that fight with you, it affects them in great ways as well. They don't want to burden you with their fears and emotions because they already know you're dealing with a lot. But it is still there and it needs to be addressed. I encourage everyone who is fighting or has fought with this crap disease to find a way to cope together with your loved ones. It makes the lonely fight a bit less lonely. And you may even learn things about them you hadn't known. And when you know, really know, how much someone deeply loves and cares about you, it gives you that extra strength. That strength you need to get through another round of ass-kicking chemo, another series of scans and tests, another million pokes with a stupid needle from that nurse who cannot find your dang vein. (laughs) And that is from what Well This Sucks podcast was born, our need to cope with everything we were going through. My treatment, the side effects, the never-ending fountain of information being hurled at us from all directions, and most importantly, how we feel about all of it. Since the podcast deals with such heavy subject matter, we goof off a lot and try to keep things as lighthearted as possible. We've also been very close friends for over 10 years, and I believe it shows when you listen to us. We record from Heather's home as opposed to in a studio because it's a comfortable environment for us to open up with one another, and also because she has the recording equipment. (laughs) Heather also produces, masters, edits, and posts our weekly episodes, so this is very much a labor of love for her. Sorry. (laughs) Well, this sucks. Doesn't have much of a structure. It's more like an organic conversation among best friends. Partly because we like the free-flowing style, but mostly because we're all too busy to plan beyond actually coordinating our busy schedules. But it works. The podcast has become this great excuse to get together and catch up on our day-to-day. Most importantly, though, it serves as an outlet, allowing us to hash out our feelings on what is weighing on us in the moment. We invite guests whose lives have also been impacted by cancer, or any disease, we don't discriminate, to share their stories, too especially how they manage to cope through their or their loved ones fight. Everyone copes in different ways and that is okay. This podcast is how we cope and we want to give everyone as many different stories so they know they aren't alone. So they know that it's not one size fits all. It's a law of trial and error. But when you have the right support system, you will find something that fits. You will find a way that works for you and your own swell gals pals to help make some sense of it all. Touch your boobs and hold your friend's hands. Mm. You did it. <laughs> you made it. <laughs> I did it. Oh, yeah. Thank you wow. so much. I'm drenched yes. in my own slobber. <laughs> my own tears. Uh. You did great. Eloquent. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Violet. You did great. I could just hear her, Mm-mm. you know, talking, saying those mm. things. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. No, thank you for letting me read it. I mean, like, I read it before, and it's... It's different. Yeah. Uh, you did great, Heather. Yeah. <laughs> you yep. did great. She did great, actually. She did, <laughs> she did great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she's such a good writer, and I know she gets that <laughs> from Violet, <'cause> Violet also <laughs> is a really great writer. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a quick break here. We'll let you guys suck in the snot and the tears and everything else and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit during the height of the global pandemic rory zura not only had just been let go of her job 
but became tragically diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer as well. With a long line of people in her family with various cancers, especially breast, Rory knew this day would inevitably come. Years prior, Rory pleaded with her doctor for a preventative mastectomy, only to be denied for not meeting the criteria as set forth by her insurance company. Channeling her lifelong athleticism, Rory knew she'd have to be at her strongest to take on this fight for her life. Utilizing fitness over the course of her treatment and beyond, Rory founded Foobs and Fitness, bridging the gap between the medical world and the fitness world. Learn more about the community for those who are fake, fit, and fabulous at foobsandfitness.com. Hi, friends. There is now a wildfire book in the world. It is a big, beautiful compilation of my favorite essays from Wildfire Magazine, spanning all the way back to our first ever issue in 2016, up to the summer of 2022. This book took years to create and is literally the resource I wish I had had when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. This book is called Igniting the Fire Within, and it's made up of 50 essays that really dig into the experience of having breast cancer in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Every stage of breast cancer is represented from DCIS to stage four, from all sorts of walks of life from all around the world. Our writers go deep and get vulnerable to heal their own experiences and to let others like you know that you're not alone you will find yourself within these pages. Get Igniting the Fire Within, stories of healing, hope, and humor inside today's young breast cancer community on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle now. Curl up with it today. Hi, my name is Allison Greenberg. I live in New York City and I was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer at the age of 41 in 2013. I recently attended a Wildfire Magazine pop-up writing workshop for the young breast cancer community, and I have attended these workshops on and off for the last three years. Wildfire's writing workshops have had a therapeutic impact on me as I cope with living with breast cancer. The community has brought me new friends and has made me enjoy writing even more. All right. Thank you so much for the loving testimonial, Sounds Allison. And welcome back to my guests today, Violet and Heather. Heather, thank you again for reading such a powerful essay that would have been powerful either way. But I think, you know, having to read about yourself is a kind of an interesting thing, too. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for for doing that for us today. It's a privilege. Absolutely. Well, I want to just turn to to you both. And, you know, first of all, thank you, Violet, for reaching out to me. Um, I heard from you a couple months ago on the anniversary-ish uh, of Danielle's diagnosis. Can you, can we start with you, Violet? Can you just tell us what this was like for you to hear, to hear Danielle's words coming through again like this? You mean now when Heather read the essay? Yeah, exactly. Um, just the uh, the strength and the courage uh, that she could put into words what she was feeling, their hurt, 
pain, the suffering, and still keep it all um, so, so nice, so peaceful. Um, it's like uh, when Heather was reading it, uh, it's like I'm listening to Danielle speaking because um, to me, she's always here. Um, just mm -hmm. not uh, physically present. But uh, those, we those words yeah. resonate with me every single, every single day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So this was, uh, this essay was published in our caregiving issue. And I know, I, I feel like the caregiving role is very complicated. You both, Heather, Violet, you both took on different aspects of holding Danielle and I love that you were able to have this multi-person approach because I think in a lot of cases, there's often one person who feels like they have to be the caregiver, um, you know, maybe a parent, maybe a spouse, maybe a best friend. But I love that it feels like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels like you guys were able to support Daniel from your various areas of strength and also support each other is that am I getting that right I think so that's how it, my experience felt in a lot, a lot of ways I mean it also felt like Danielle especially uh was also our caregiver as a friend um you know the circumstances weren't great but doing the podcast with Tana and Danielle are one of the, my happiest memories now you know, it was, she said it best when she was like, honestly, this just was like such a great way to catch up on our day to day. Cause we would just sit around the table, we'd make a bunch of food and then we'd relax. And then like, once we got over the nerves after pressing record, cause like you always feel a little nervous, uh, but then we're just gabbing. <laughs> and then, um, I don't know, we just got that much closer and, uh, and even though you just can't, you can't escape the diagnosis or the circumstances, but we were still hanging out and joking around and having fun. And I don't know that those, I don't know, that just helped us be in the moment together. And I appreciated that she was so open to to doing something like, like this. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm curious about do having those kinds of conversations when you know they're being recorded and being, um, you know, used as a way of not only sharing what Danielle was going through, what you guys were going through, but also making a resource for other people going through it. Were there times when you had to hit stop or you chose not to have a, a particular conversation be a public one or was it pretty, was it pretty much all there? Um, I think there were, it was pretty much all there, but I think there were a couple of moments where we decided to <laughs> step out. I can't, it's been so long that I can't remember any specifics, but I guess if I did, I probably wouldn't bring it up. <laughs> true, true. Um, nothing crazy though, you know? Yeah. Um, especially when it came to anything we talked about in relation to her breast cancer, all of that stuff stayed, mm -hmm. you know? 
Yeah. Maybe a she crew. was very open. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she was very open about that. And the fact also, the support that she had with uh, Heather and Tana, it was such a, um, a therapeutic, you know, uh, avenue for her. Um, Danielle was very expressive. Um, she spoke her mind. Um, and she also had a lot of... Um, love and compassion and wanted her feelings and her cancer to be out there for like the new April, your magazine and, you know, your podcast and just for as many uh, as, you know, uh, young women and mm -hmm. that she could touch with a story, um, her story with the girl, um, to know that, yes, there is this side that it's uh, horrible, like a, like a monster inside of you. But there's this other side that gives you so much love and support and peace and know that you're not alone in, in all of this. And um, I think that was uh, such a, uh, an amazing way of these girls to be a support uh, to Danielle. And like Heather said before, and vice versa, uh, because as Danielle mentioned in, in the in the essay, you know, uh, she knew that her best friends also needed yeah. to have that um, outlet, um, and so that's why I did, and I do call them my my angel speaker. Uh, when I was not there uh, in Los Angeles, I was there in Florida. I was able to go over there like uh, several times to be with Danielle, but. Yes, overall, that's uh, that's my, yeah. my take on all Well, that. that's difficult to be having your child so far away and going through something like this. And I'm curious, too, you know, Danielle shared in her essay that you had also been diagnosed with breast cancer. And I often wonder what that experience is like to, you know, have to have faced it yourself, then have your child go through it. And also... I'm guessing, I don't think I have to guess, I, you didn't have a podcast probably when you were <laughs> going through it yourself. So, you know, when you're watching your child make different choices in terms of putting together her care team or, or her support system, like what was, what was that like for you? Um, when she did this, when she decided to do this? Yeah. Or just, or watching her make different you know, make her own path through it, I guess, is oh, what I'm trying uh, to say. I, I really admired her um, for doing this um, and take it, on, um, take it on her own to make these types of courageous decisions. Uh, what worked for her, obviously, like I said, you know, back when I was diagnosed, it was in 1996. So these outlets were not uh, available then. Um, but she was a great support to me, just being 10 years old when that happened. Mm -hmm. uh, she was a great support to me. And along with my husband, uh, after my surgery and everything, she was there to help me with, with uh, when I came from treatment, when, you know, I still had tubes in, in, in my breast. Uh, and she would just write down whenever, you know, there was a difference in the measurements of the fluids that are being, you know, pulled out. And 
So she was a great support to me, always. In that and and just being ten yes. years old and 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 having to face her mom, uh, having an illness that, uh, thank God, um, you know, I only had a stage one, and it was not like that. You're so aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes. Mm-hmm. So I guess she was being prepared back then without us or me even thinking that this would happen to her. That's why she wrote in the essay, I made sure that she checked her breath, you know, every day and to tell me if there was a change or anything Mm -hmm. like that. But yeah. Well, I know a lot of people listening to this can relate to having had a mom with breast cancer and also can relate to having a small a small caregiver in your own child. And my (laughs) my daughter also the tubes and the fluids and the keeping track. And like, she loved it when the home nurse came and kind of showed her what all that stuff was. And it was a way for me to include her that didn't feel quite so scary. It was very hands-on and, you know, practical instead of um, so nebulous and and kind of unknown what was going on inside Mm. the body. So yeah, you just, you brought me right back to those little bedside nurses. (laughs) Yes. So I want to um, I want to sure. ask you both, and you might have the same answer to this, but I'm curious what you would each say is Danielle's legacy today when you think about you know the impact that maybe she wanted to leave or just what what her impact is. So much. Uh, I mean, Violet said it earlier. I don't even know if this answers the question, but it's like she's omnipresent. Like I find myself talking to her every day, you know, in my head, Um, literally. And if I judge myself for something or anything, I'm like, oh, Danielle, did you see that? (laughs) Did you see what I just did? (laughs) What do you think? Am I a jerk? She's like, no, Heather, you're not a jerk. <laughs> you know, little. Or I could hear, I hear her go like, "Give me a break, Heather, get over it." <laughs> Stuff like that. You know, she she had such a like. She really. She was just such a specific person, and she had so much charisma. Just like a big personality without being overbearing, but she was like. Mm the glue of our friends and the she just knew how to wrangle everybody she was also such a talented artist even though right now she'd be like give me a break because <laughs> she was so humble about it or you know she just she didn't she didn't want to place any she enjoyed her old quote-unquote old lady craft so much because but and I think she didn't want to place too much she wanted to keep enjoying it. And she didn't want the pressure of mm-hmm. expectation, I think. But she was so skilled. And all of us uh, have all her artwork Ooh. everywhere. So I just, any anywhere, whenever I go to Tana's house or our friend Lauren's house, or if we when we travel to Tallahassee, we see Violet and our friend Amanda. There's just always a, a cross-stitch or a blanket. She made our friend Haley a beautiful blanket. Uh, it's just they're everywhere. And he, they're just, 
and like she did beautiful calligraphy and I'll pull, pull out because like you know we all have like a box of old cards and stuff so I have a bunch of cards in there and then like suddenly I'll come across an envelope of oh. just her handwriting her my yes. address I you know she's just everywhere um and then also with the podcast which I actually haven't been able to re-listen to yeah but I'll get there mm-hmm. um but it's there. I know, Violet, you said that you had recently re-listened to it. Is that something that you do frequently or was that that special? Um, I listened to the one when you were on and I listened to other ones. And um, I, I listened to it, but after the fact, uh, the waves come and uh, the grief overtakes me all over like it was the first day. Like yesterday, yeah, I had one of those days because I was preparing and, and you know, to do mm-hmm. this uh, session with you and Heather. And when I got home, I told my husband, I just had this, you know, wave of, of grief. And um, I felt like her presence so defined. Um, and what Heather was mentioning, um, there is her art her plans, everything. I have many things that she um, did not get to finish, that she started. Um, She did the punch needle and she has two uh, beautiful things that she started and she didn't finish, but I framed them and put them in my my, uh, dining room area. And she had written, because she like Heather said, calligraphy, she taught herself how to do that, and then amazingly, the uh, the work that she did uh, for some of her friends that got married that had uh, you know baby showers or anything like that, she would just uh, uh, take over and uh, and do that for them. And um, I found a little card that she has written her name Danielle in calligraphy. So I I thought that was perfect to put under the craft that she had made that I trained. And um, so I still have some of her plants when she had her apartment. So yes, her legacy, mm-hmm. I believe, and now you're doing this, April. I think it will it will stay on for many years. And I believe that um, she will be an example for a lot of uh, young women that will be listening to it and see what kind of beautiful thing even go going through their their disease, they can yeah. lead to others mm-hmm. to enjoy. And their presence will always be with their dear ones. Absolutely. Ones. Absolutely. And I think um, the fact that you guys are willing to talk about her and share these stories about her, you know, you're keeping her alive. And I know different families have different ways of grieving but I really appreciate that we can bring her story and and these individual stories out because, yeah, then her legacy can live on. We just have a couple minutes left. I want to ask each of you, do you have any advice for other caregivers? Because like I said at the top, I think caregiving is a really, really hard job. And the the person with the cancer, there are a lot of resources out there 
rightly so, but I think caregiving is very, very hard and very silent. And so I wonder if either of you have any advice for other people, you know, in a friend position, in a mothering position, um, if you have advice for them. Well, I would just say that to love, 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 to be there, to be there at all times, like Danielle said, to hold their hands, to share uh, good memories, to be energized with the service and the ministry that you're providing to that loved one. Um, it will be so rewarding for you as well. Uh, be it if it's a cancer survivor or in my case, may not. But that, that satisfaction of being there for them and just pampering them, just loving them, just, just give them what they want and make them feel comfortable and, and, and cared for and loved. Um, as I did for Danielle last week that she was uh, in hospice, um, I did everything for her. Um, she is my baby. And so I'm sure that a lot of mothers, a lot of caregivers are going to feel this way um, to do this. And that will be so rewarding for the rest of your years if it just happens that your loved one will not be here mm -hmm. with you. That's mm -hmm. what I would say. I love that. I love Love, love, love just gave me full body goosebumps. Same. Thank you. Ooh. Yeah. Heather, do you have anything you want to add? Similar in the, like, you're you're doing this, you're or you're supporting your friend or your loved one because you love them and you do your best and you try to make the most of each day and, uh, but be, you know, I think there are there are times, and even now, where I'll look back and I'm like, I could have done that better, or I could have been there more. Oh. You know, I think so. It's also being easy on yourself, too. If you ever, when those emotions start to bubble up, of like, you know, Danielle, that was rereading her essay she mentioned um here i found it ha she was like when you know really know how much someone deeply loves and cares about you it gives you that extra strength so it meant so much to read that because it, i knew that she knew how much we all loved her and that is actually really rewarding now after the fact so yeah yeah, so, you know, that's it. You get, you just love each other. You know, sometimes that manifests however it manifests. You know, no one does anything perfectly, but they know, and you know. Yeah, yeah. all right. So go easy on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I can't believe I didn't bring tissues. 
<laughs> I like left him in a different room and I was like, no, I'll be fine. <laughs> well, you're so beautiful. So you are. I know what you are, but what am I? <laughs> uh, you guys, thank you so much for this. I, I'm just so grateful to you both for being here and for this discussion today. And I know that it's giving a lot of um, comfort to everyone else who's out there listening to it. So thank you for that. Thank you Oof. so much for having us. Yes, April, thank you for doing this. I will never forget it. And I'm very, very grateful for your um, doing this ministry to help so many uh, support so many young women with the disease. True, truly. Thank you. I appreciate that. I love you. Thank you. Heather, love you. I love you too, Violet. Love you, April. Mm -hmm. Well, I, okay. I could sit here all day, it feels like, but I want to say again, for those listening, today's writer was Danielle Hernandez, and my guests have been Violet Hall and Heather Higginbotham, and Danielle's piece you guys can find in our archives. This is from the 2018 issue of Wildfire called Caregivers. But Violet, I'm under the impression you might have some of Danielle's writing or you have a page where I know you were recently publishing her essay. Do you want to share where people can find out more about Danielle? Um, well, I usually um, put it on, on okay. Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know? um, I don't make it public um, anymore. When I did her fundraising, I did. Um, and she did have um, also a... Um, I think that she, um, with Heather and Tana, I don't know if, if it was one of the um, websites that they use, but I don't do much okay. now. So, but I wanted, I, I reached out to you because I wanted to have it so I could send it to my friend and to put it on, on mm-hmm. Facebook, on my Facebook page. Absolutely. Well, we are definitely going to be linking to the podcast. I know there's 50 episodes there, and I hope everyone will go back and listen to it. Heather, is there anything you want to add about where people can find the podcast or find more about you? Um, Yeah. Well, I have episode recommendations for the podcast, which is to listen to yours our wildfire episode, and also like really listen to the ones between uh, Danielle and Violet. Violet was a guest on Well, This Sucks a few times, and those are definitely the episodes that I'm most proud of from a producing perspective. Is it's really mm-hmm. um, listening to Violet as, you know, as, a, as Danielle's mom and also as a caregiver. Violet, you're just such a, Danielle was so lucky <laughs> to have you um and yeah those are the Thank our you, most powerful episodes for sure so listen i think to there's about three mm-hmm. about three that i joined you got girl yeah yeah but yeah well this <laughs> sucks oh that's great it, it is it's all on itunes and spotify so have at it okay. <laughs> yeah we'll be sure to link to the, all of that thanks you guys again i really appreciate you both Thank you. We Thank appreciate you, you too. Good to see you. Mm-hmm. Good to see you. You too. Well, I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn's a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. 
Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode and to find our 40-plus issues in the Wildfire Archives and to take a writing workshop with me. There is no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. And don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. If you like what you hear, leave us a starred review. Finally, here is your writing prompt. The best gift I've received since my diagnosis is... The best gift I've received since my diagnosis is... Set your timer for eight minutes, write without stopping or editing. See what needs to come up and come out. And if you want more prompts, head over to wildfirecommunity.org free. I've got lots of good stuff for you there. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.